So when I invite you to serve your work, what I'm saying with that is you need to realize wherever you are, you're called there, you are the light of the world. Your job doesn't define you, but you are representing Jesus. Are you being faithful to God in the way you work? Welcome to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. If you've been following along on our broadcast, you know that for the last few days, we've been in a series called On the Job. If you've missed any of these broadcasts, you can hear them on our website, momentsofhopechurch.org. Now, here's David continuing his series, On the Job. We've looked at, first of all, in the first week, your worth is not your work. Your worth is not your work. And once you come to faith in Jesus, you know your identity is in Him. It's like a friend of mine used to say all the time, I'm a full-time follower of Jesus and I sell life insurance in order to be able to do that. So whatever your call, vocation is, is what you do to allow you to fully follow Jesus. That was the first week. The second week was, if that's true, you realize God is your boss And he's the one that sends you into your workplace. No longer is your work an occupation, something that occupies your time all week long. Your work is a vocation, a calling, and you're where God wants you to be or you'd be somewhere else. It's that simple. Where God has called you right now, your mission field between your feet, that's where God wants you to be. Or if you love Christ, you'd be somewhere else. He'd call you someplace else. It's a vocation. You're called to where you are. Now, this week is a practical application of those first two weeks. If your worth is not your work, but your worth is in Christ, and if indeed he's called you to a vocation in your workplace where you work, here are five practical tips I'll get to in just a moment on how you can be faithful to the Lord wherever you may work. Now, we're going to read some scripture from Jesus and from the Gospels and the epistles. The word epistles in the Bible just means letters, letters written from Paul, John, or James, or Peter particularly, to the churches to try us, to help us understand how we can be faithful in the workplace. Are you ready? First of all, from the Gospels, from the lips of Jesus. You are the salt of the earth, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. But if salt has lost its taste... How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5, verses 40 and 41, Jesus continued, And if anyone would sue you, take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Matthew 7, 12, Jesus said, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, Do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. What that means, for those of you who may not know your Bibles real well, the Old Testament is Genesis through Malachi. The first 39 books, it's called the Old Testament. It's the law and the prophets. So Jesus condensed all of the Old Testament, 39 books, into one phrase. Do unto others as you'd like it done to you. Again, it's called the golden rule. And then from the book of Colossians, Paul gives some practical insights into how work should be done. Bond servants, which basically means employees, 
Obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. That's basically employers. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, as your paycheck. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. For those who are messing with you in the workplace, they'll pay one day. No partiality before the Lord. Masters, employers, bosses, treat your bondservants, employers, your workers, justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master, a CEO in heaven. So as I look at these verses, uh, there are two thoughts that come to my mind. First of all, we are to serve our work. You are to serve your work. Now, now what does that mean? Well, there are three areas of influence in all of our lives. We can influence our family, we can influence our friends, and we can influence our work associates in the place where we work. You're, you're where aren't you? You and I, for an entire lifetime as adults, will probably work 90,000 hours. That's a lot. Think about that. It's 35 to 40% of our entire life is spent in the workplace. So we have an opportunity with those hours to influence those who work around us. So when I invite you to serve your work, what I'm saying with that is you need to realize wherever you are, you're called there, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Your job doesn't define you, but you are representing Jesus. And when you are salt that influences others toward our Lord, you are fulfilling the call in the workplace. You're serving your work. When you are the light of the world, which can't be hidden under a bushel, when there's true light, light always overcomes darkness. When you are the light of the world and your identity is not in your work, but it's in Christ because he was the light of the world. He claims so in John. He said, I'm going to now make you lights of the world in wherever you may be. So that could be your neighborhoods, your places where you exercise uh, with your friends, but wherever you are, especially in your workplace, you are the light of the world. And when you care for other people and you do your work well in serving them, they will ask you one day, why? And you can say, I'm doing this for my Father in heaven, and they will then want to desire to please and worship the Father in heaven whom you serve. So serve your work. That's a clear call that Jesus gives us because God is our CEO. Secondly, though, not only serve your work, but serve others in your work. Serve your work, be salt and light where you are, but serve others in your work. Now, let me give you this truth. Your work matters to God because people matter to God. Let me say that again. Your work matters to God because people matter to God. So surrounding you in your workplace are people that God really loves. He really loves. And you are called there to serve them. Jesus in Mark 10, 45 said, for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I'll never forget my college basketball coach, Dean Smith, who had a tremendous influence on my life, one time said to all of us, if you ever need me, call. Even 
10, 15, 20 years after you've left, if you ever need me, please call me. I'll always be here for you. And he said this, for my job is not to use you for my glory. My job is to serve you so you can be all that God wants you to be. So some 20 years later, my son, David, as a 13-year-old, screwed up his knee, had serious surgery. And I was trying to think, how in the world can I encourage this son of mine who loves basketball and has a serious knee injury at 13? So I remembered, Coach Smith said, if you ever need me, call. I'm not here to use you for my glory. I'm here to serve you so you can succeed. So I picked up the phone. And this very busy, nationally acclaimed man, I called him. And I got him, and I said, Coach Smith, would you just do me one favor? You know, I, I've been gone 20 years, but would you mind just calling my son? You've been through a lot of knee injuries with players. Would you just encourage him that he can make it through this and maybe play again? And he said, I'll, I'll get to it as soon as I can. He has a pretty raspy, nasal voice, okay? So the next day, the phone rings. And back when, we had answering machines. Do you remember answering machines? They, okay. And... That voice came on the phone, uh, David, Dean Smith. And my son David, sitting in the chair, his knee operated on, bandaged, looked at me, and I went, it's for you. And he went, no, it's not for me, it's for you. And I went, no, it's for you, pick it up, pick it up. And David, hello. In case you don't know, that's how 13-year-olds speak, okay? Hello. Yes. Uh huh. Pretty monosyllabic, isn't that? Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh, well, this goes on for 10 minutes or so. And finally, he hangs up the phone, and I asked David, well, I'm curious, what was the first thing Coach Smith said to you? And he said, Well, Dad, the first question he asked me was, David, how are your grades? <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, I want him to talk about basketball, but then I realized he was more concerned for my son's academics than he was his athletics because he knew long-term that was more important for success to occur. Folks, that is an example in the workplace of serving others to encourage them to be all that they can be and not using others for your own glory. And let me tell you something, the people around you who work with you can tell if you're using them for yourself. So serve others in the workplace. God is concerned about your workplace because people matter to God and there are people in your workplace that you can serve who really matter to God. So let me now give you five practical applications from the scripture from Jesus' lips, from Paul's lips, on how you can serve others in your workplace. You, you serve your workplace, you're called there by God, but you serve others in your workplace. How can you do that most effectively if you are a follower of Jesus who works in your workplace to allow you to serve others? Let me give you five tips. First of all, practice the second mile principle. Practice the second mile principle. That's what Jesus meant in Matthew 5, 41, when he said, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Now, when you read this off the cuff, you can't understand what this meant. But for a faithful Jew who's trying to follow Jesus, especially in that day, this was radical. 
the Romans controlled everything in Israel, Jerusalem during that time. And there was a law on the books that whenever a Roman centurion or soldier wanted a Jew to carry something, he could immediately conscript them and by law force them to carry any burden they were commanded to carry for one mile in any direction. So you're walking along the way and a Roman has a burden that he doesn't want to carry. He can force you to carry it one mile by law in any direction. So you can imagine with the Romans camping someplace in Israel and faithful Jews who are following Jesus see the camp starting to break, they scatter like roaches suddenly seeing the light come on in a room from the darkness, right? Because they don't want to be conscripted to carry burdens for a mile. And here is Jesus going to his followers and saying to them, if you get conscripted by a Roman centurion or soldier to carry a burden for a mile in any direction, at the end of that mile, look at the person and with a huge smiley face say, may I carry the second mile? And you know Jesus' followers when they heard him teach this must have gone, are you kidding me? What? First of all, we don't even like these guys. They're brutal, they're oppressive, and you're asking us to go the extra mile, another mile, when we're asked to do something? And Jesus would have responded, you got it. Because he knew there's something powerful in serving other people. He knew that one of the ways a heart could be softened was by someone who'd say, how can I go the extra mile to serve you? So in your workplace, starting this week, you who are employees, would you dare go the extra mile when your boss asks you to do something? Say, I'll do that, and I'll even go beyond it. And some of you right now are going, you do not know my boss. And I'm saying, yeah, I do. I do. Been dealing with this a long time. May be irascible and absolutely impossible to work for. You want to touch his heart for Jesus? Go the extra mile. That's what Jesus is saying. Hey, you bosses out there with your employees, go the extra mile. With your workplace hospitality, with leave, especially maternity leave, with salaries and benefits, let me ask you, are you going the extra mile for those who work for you? Now, can you imagine a workplace where the employer and the employees are all going the extra mile for one another? How would you describe that workplace? Healthy and successful. So first of all, if you want to serve others in your workplace, practice the extra mile principle. It's all in the attitude, folks. If you awaken every morning before work and go, good Lord, it's morning, or do you awaken going, good morning, Lord, because I have an opportunity where I work to love people who matter to you, 
And I want to help draw them to you and be salt and light so they'll praise my heavenly Father. Therefore, I'm going to go the extra mile. Second, practice the golden rule. Jesus' words in Matthew 7, 12, which encapsulate the first 39 books of the Bible, Genesis through Malachi. He reduced it all to a simple statement. In your workplace, employees and employers treat others like you want to be treated. I mean, is it more difficult than that? Treat others like you want to be treated. And in practicing that golden rule, it opens the hearts of others to hear your love for your heavenly father. Why are you treating me this way? This isn't the way people treat other people, the extra mile, doing to me as you want to have done to you. I mean, I love the quote from a great Christian of years ago named Assisi. Here's what he said to all Christians, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and if necessary, say something. And if necessary, say something. Now, now you need to be ready to share the hope that is within you. I mean, God gave us tongues to share the gospel, but you earn the right to be heard by serving other people. listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Thanks for listening. Coming up, David joins me in the studio with a conversation about the difference between being a victim or a victor. We'll be right back. This is the Ministry Minute, focusing on ministries that have a positive impact on our community. I'm Mark McManus, and here is Jim Noble with the Dream Center Charlotte. Hello, my name is Jim Noble with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Dream Center. And Bo and I, the director of the Dream Center, just wanted to take a minute and tell you guys thank you. Moments of hope, David and Marilyn Chadwick, all of you there, Dean, we all have been phenomenal for us. Uh, you, you've been there since 08 when we started King's Kitchen, and that kind of grew into the Dream Center. And the meals we've fed the last eight weeks, probably exceeding 55,000 now, I guess. Uh, we're so grateful you guys have made such an impact in the city by reaching out to those that have needs greater than we have. And uh, what do you think, Bo? Yeah, so it's been amazing to, to just watch the, the work that's happened um, with the meals as they've gone out. You know, uh, we, I always tell people it's not about the food, it's about the relationships that are formed and the ministry that takes place. And so, um, and JT Williams and Thomas Burrow and Reed Park, I mean, it has opened up doors that we never thought would be open. Um, you know, we've seen people come out um, and just welcomed us with open arms, just so grateful for the meals. And, and we just thank you, Moments of Hope, and just this couldn't be, this wouldn't be possible without you guys. And, you know, uh, the, the first call we made uh, when we decided to go this route and provide these meals was the Moments of Hope. And it was, uh, phone call that was met with a resounding yes and so we're so appreciative of you guys and just um, everything you all do for us and for the kingdom and not only that but you uh, also sewed into our kitchen in the dream center now this week started producing meals there and as the restaurants open back up all the meals will shift to the dream center with the kitchen you helped us do so we're so grateful you guys god bless you god bless moments of hope and we just Pray an unlimited return harvest on the seed you sowed into this ministry. Thank you very much.
I'm Jen Houston. Thanks for listening today. Joining me in the studio is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, Jen. Great being with you, too. Well, David, in this morning's e-devotions, you spiritually delineate the difference between being a victim and a victor. I find this really interesting. And will you tell our listeners your thoughts on this? I will, Jen, because I think it's a huge problem in our culture today. Uh, What is happening is what's called intersectionality. And what that means is anybody who's had something bad happen to them, either because of their sexuality or their gender or just life experience because of the color of their skin, they find themselves being offended by something, and then that becomes their identity. Mm. What has happened to them becomes their identity. And then they come together in intersectionality and almost form a block of voters or those who are not in lockstep with the culture and continue to be angry against cultural norms and society's perspective. Mm. And what happens with that ultimate position is you live life in a negative way and you always feel like bad things are going to happen to you and what happens to you is ultimately your identity. That that's going on in our culture. It's huge. It's everywhere. You know, again, sexuality or gender or bad things that have happened to you define who you are. Well, juxtaposed against that position is the position of the Bible, which says you're not a victim. Your identity is not found in what's happened to you. Your identity is found in who you are in Christ. Mm -hmm. And when you know that you're loved by him, cared for by him, that you're an adopted son or daughter in the family of the Father in heaven, that royal blood pulsates through your vein, you know that no matter what happens to you, there's a greater purpose that God is working, and you can therefore have confidence in Romans 8, Mm -hmm. 37 language, I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves me. And that's the position that those of us who are in Christ must have. I've had bad things happen to me. I've had awful things happen to me, but I'm not going to find my identity in those things because all I'll do is feel sorry for myself the rest of my life, Mm -hmm. and there'll be no victory that I can ever have. Mm -hmm. But if I believe that God is working through everything for His purposes and my good, then I am more than a conqueror. Notice that that word in the Greek is huper Nike. Nike means conquer. Nike borrowed that word in order to get their shoe business started. But really, in Romans 8, 37, Paul says, I am a hooper Nike. Hooper, hyper. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus who loves me because I know that everything that happens to me, there's a plan and God is working through it in some powerful way. So I tried with this Davidism to encourage people not to fall prey to victimhood. It's deadly. Mm -hmm. If you do so, you'll always be in the prison of what's happened Mm -hmm. to me. God wants to open up that prison cell wide through the power of the resurrection in you and give you a new life. You're not a victim, but a victor. One of my favorite pictures is Jesus on the cross, and he could have been, you know, the greatest victim in the whole world. And what does he do? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that's how we should live as believers, just forgiving people, asking God to forgive them so we can live this powerful life in Christ. Absolutely. And in 1 John 4, 4, the Apostle John says, He who lives in us, Jesus, the crucified Savior, is greater than he who lives in the world, the powerful enemy who wants to enslave us in victimhood to always feel like that's where our identity really is. So powerful. Thank you so much. David. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today. Please go to momentsofhopechurch.org and you can subscribe there to daily written moments of hope from my heart to yours to begin each day with a moment of hope. 
This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. While you're online, be sure to sign up for David's daily Moments of Hope, delivered every morning to your inbox. Also, check out David's weekly Hopecast. They're both free and available through our website. Again, that web address is momentsofhopechurch.org. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking you to pray with me for peace in the Middle East.